My name is Peter Coonan. I'm playing Dino in Rory Duffy's Paolo in the Underworld. Uh, my name is Paul Ronan. I'm playing Sharky in Paolo in the Underworld by Rory Duffy. The play is we find two men who are enclosed in a box. Yeah. From what we gather at this point, they've just been put into the box. They've been put quite a, quite a bit underground. Obviously, they're panicking at the beginning then kind of start to see the relationship between the two men. And then I suppose it plays out then kind of, I don't know, like a barroom drama in some ways. I don't know, like between two punters having a chat and it kind of weaves in and out of, of panic and um, just general conversation about everyday experiences, I suppose. My character's called Sharky. I don't know if they're that different, but they're obviously friends. In the writing, it, it suggests that they got into uh, the criminal world together and they decided to do it together. But they could have been uh, school friends. I mean, they talked about the same teacher. They had, uh, these, guys, these guys grew up together, and now they're locked in a box, tied up, and thinking that they're going to die. And they're just going to try and get out of there any way they can, and it's hilarious. Of course, Peter's character um, comes up with this whole Paolo Freire philosophy of life and why we are who we are and we are destined and that society is there, that the teachers and, and all the cops and the lawyers and the solicitors are all just in cahoots basically to keep us down and it suits them because obviously they're going to benefit because without us criminals there'll be no solicitors, the cops wouldn't be working, blah blah blah. So, so that kind of poses a question then to both of them, if we ever get out of this box, the closer they are to death, the closer they become as friends I think and closer in their single kind of determination to change their lot forever, you know, to change their future, despite what Paolo Freire was saying, that it, it just can't be changed, that it's just stacked against you. So I suppose from the idea of uh, one character talking about Paolo Freire and that kind of idea, it is a kind of a, a nod to O'Casey potentially about the idea of uh, how someone like Joxer is so well read, you know, as he talks about, is so interested when he hears that Mary is reading about Ibsen and the wild duck in a doll's house and all these things and you realise, you know, that these are men who are well-read well who just ended up on the wrong side of life due to circumstance. Uh, so that's it, the, a doll's house and the wild duck, books only fit for chislers. Yeah, I worked with uh, Peter in Love Hate. Uh, did we have it? We didn't do a scene together, did we? No, we didn't do a scene at all. No, no I saw him on I saw him at the base camp. Um, no, my scene was with Tom and uh, a couple of the other lads. But it was it was only a, a couple of scenes I was in. It was just a, I was just a, a special extra. That's all it was. Um, I got into the uh, acting with, with um, just as a bartender in New York, Chris O'Neill, who um, was doing a, the late great Chris O'Neill was doing a play called Grandchild of Kings about the uh, taken from the biographies of Sean O'Casey, and he was playing O'Casey and was around the corner and he used to drink in the bar and give me free tickets to go and see the plays and and a lot of the the actors from the play used to come into the pub, you know Terry Donnelly and Pauline Flanagan, late Paul God lover and and. Uh, I don't know, they livened up the pub and Chris was kind of watched me doing voices and accents and telling jokes to all these actors and Frank Frank McCourt as well used to frequent the place. And so eventually he was starting off a theatre company in the Bronx with Jimmy Smallhorn and um, he talked me into doing a play called Da, the old play Da, and that was it. He, it took a while to talk me into it now, but uh, I mean, I had seen, the, the first theatre I had seen was the, the, from the free tickets that he gave me and... Uh, and I just kind of fell in love with it. So that's how I got into it, New York City. 
Mark O'Connor came and saw me and asked me to do Between the Canals. And that was kind of, the, that was the first film I'd done. I did a film, a, a Conor McPherson film, Saltwater, when I was very young. I played a, a small part in that. But um, yeah, so Between the Canals was my first foray into, into, into film, which was kind of extraordinary, but amazing as well, because we had a long time to work on it. So it was... Um, I was there from the beginning, you know, with Mark kind of auditioning kids in Sheriff Street and we got a serious amount of help from the community centre there. And um, anyway, yeah, long story short, that went very well and it got great reviews and stuff. And then I got, Maureen Hughes saw a clip on uh, YouTube up between the canals and got me into audition for Fran. And then Love Hate be began. It was right, right place, right time, you know, that I was in Ireland and I hadn't left to go live in Australia with my mates or anything like that and you know I was really 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 eager to be an actor at that point and the audition tape came along and I'd watched the first series and just been very t taken by it because my friend Killian was in it and I was kind of thinking how am I going to get involved and the audition came along and I just kind of battened down the hatches and got my friend TJ who was a uh, just come back from London film school at the time got him to shoot my audition tape as many times as he could and give me his opinion and I just knew it inside out and then went in and did a, a good audition and um, Moyne Hughes laughs about how I was dressed, but uh, I was I, I was in like a, I dressed like so I read it and I thought like this is a guy who dresses, whose delusions of grandeur, you know, he dresses better than he is essentially, and that kind of turned out to be true, but uh, yeah, so the audition went well and then the started, but it was just it was incredible, I suppose, for me watching you know gangster films growing up, Scorsese, Goodfellas, Joe Pesci, especially that getting a part like that was just was unbelievable looking back now I think more so than when I was actually in it it's kind of more extraordinary you know um, so to play that part it just grew and grew um, and and I, like 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 you say like Stuart's writing was just amazing you know it was all there you, you do a bit of reading like you know Paul Williams and different stuff like that but the majority of the stuff was already there and it was just between chats with Stuart and Caffo and, and Tom and Aidan and the guys and to see what they had done and yeah it was just a really amazing time and it was just a, an actor's dream I suppose Okay, the prep for the audition yeah. tape. Well, it was just, I suppose I just read it and read it and read it. And then kind of, it was it was this, a scene where I'm at the door with Mary and I walk up to the door and I'm looking for the money off Darren. And it's, it's such a menacing situation to be in. There's kids coming to the door. She's a mother of two, single mother of two, you know this. And you stand at the door without a care in the world and you, and you, you threaten her with her children there in her house. And... It was kind of scary. Ruth Bradley was there in front of me and I'd, I'd never met Ruth before. So it was I was just my job just to scare the shit out of her. And <laughs> Ruth came after going, Jesus, that was pretty scary. And I was, But it was just very, it was just, it was incredible. It was just, um, but the preparation for that scene was just reading it, doing it. Uh, and then once you could, once you learned it and you left by heart, then it was, was tr just trying different things. I heard about getting the role of Devil's Own when I was on the set of A Further Gesture. The Devil's Own is about uh, an IRA man played by Brad Pitt who uh, goes to New York to bring guns back to, uh, basically get a shipment of guns back to back to the north. Um, he plays a kid who joined the IRA because of the trauma he saw as a child when he saw his father being shot dead in his own house by British soldiers. I played Brad's best friend in it, I suppose, um, and we're trying to set up a deal with, with uh, this Irish-American gangster, Treat Williams. Brad is staying with a, a, an American cop, I think his name was Omara, played by Harrison Ford. So there's that Irish-American, Irish connection, and basically he's there under the guise of being a, a guy looking for work on a building site, but in actual fact he's uh, running guns over to the north. 
important. So my third audition was with Brad. I said to Brad when I was leaving, and I really didn't think I was going to get this, so I, t- I thought I had nothing to lose. So I said to him what Nye Heron said to me while he was directing me in Public Enemy. And he said, don't judge the people you're playing. He said, because, you know, and this is what I said to Brad. I said, listen, don't judge these guys, this, this, this IRA man you're going to play, because I said... He's a normal guy living in an abnormal situation where, you know, soldiers use um, people, women wheeling prams across the road as, as cover against sniper fire and stuff. It's, it's a crazy situation. Also, think about it. I said, if, if the Russians, for some reason, were in New Jersey and you crossed the George Washington Bridge and they had the right to arrest you, detain you, lock you up without, without charge, without due process or whatever, and they were in your country, what would you do? And he was like, and he just looked at me and I said, you'd go home, you'd do what most Americans would do. You'd go home, you'd get your gun and you'd go to war. So he kind of, I think that that kind of said something to him, you know. And he was like, hmm, I get that, okay. So then while I was waiting for the car, we were going to have a smoke. I was smoking at the time. We were going to have a smoke in the stairwell um, of the building. And then we got talking and I just realised we're about the same age. He was telling me about his family. He's a farm boy, all the things he liked. And we just kind of made a connection. And I don't know if that helped or not, but that with the, with my bit of direction that I gave him as well. <laughs> you know, this is how you do it, Brad. I was a week over in Dublin and I got the phone call from my manager going, I don't believe it, you got it, you got it. So that was it, yeah. Borsta Boy came along then and uh, yeah, that was a great experience. It was obviously quite daunting as well, thinking about all the actors who had uh, who had played the previous, like Tom Murphy, Dara Kelly, Frank Grimes, to name but a few. The great thing about Love Hate was that it gave me the the platform to be able to play parts like that you know halfway through I, I was like I'm in the middle of something insane here it's not just a, a play it's there's a vaudevillian kind of uh, showtime thing going on as well but it was also it was good you know to put yourself into a position where you're kind of have a bit of fear you're, you're apprehensive you're not sure a weekend if like you know you're going to be able to do this and I think that always happens to me anyway where I get that fear point and if I'm like once I get that once I leap over that then it, you know you're doing the right thing because you have to challenge yourself so the outcome was good it was a long long run about nine weeks in the end 38 people in the cast and um, most of them lads <laughs> around 20 so you can imagine the school degree Connell was great to work with and the the whole team it was it was it was great yeah and the, I mean getting to sing the L Triangle on the Gaiety stage was was something quite special as well. Well Veronica Gearn, I'd been in the other film first um When the Sky Falls with Joan Allen. I didn't think I'd even get an audition for Veronica but I did. I got the role of Jimmy Gearn, Jimmy Gearn Veronica's brother. So I I think I looked vaguely like him, you know. So I was, um, I was delighted to be working with Kate. I mean, you know, I've, I've met her loads of times since and my daughter's worked with her and she's a lovely lady and she just got herself into the role so well and so she was so determined to get it right. First of all, her accent was impeccable. I mean, it was absolutely perfect and that's rare for anyone playing Irish. It's rare. And she's just stayed in character. She was like Danny Day-Lewis in that way. She just kind of stays in the thing, stays in the zone. She knew what a big event that was in our history, you know, that a journalist was shot by, by a gangster, you know, for doing her job. Veronica is dead 20 years. God, um, every time I pass that spot, actually, I just, I think of her, actually. Um, it's, I just can't help it. But I think things have gotten worse it's turning into like real gangland. I mean, even in, in those days, the people who were being killed or whatever are being, were, were 
rival gangs. There weren't like, you know, accidentally people being shot in a pub and, and, and people being shot for owing 200 quid. And this this whole blackmail thing, I mean, it, it comes out in, in this play we're doing. It's like these two guys are kind of victims of that. They're manipulated. They're, yeah, they got into the crime thing voluntarily, but... This guy, as they call him, the, the Mr. Big of the piece, who's referred to as your man, basically has control over them. That was In the Wings, in which we heard Peter Coonan and Paul Ronan, who will be performing in Paolo in the Underworld by Rory Duffy, next week's Drama on One. In the Wings is produced by Kevin Reynolds.